0: Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Deal Maker Show. So today I think we're going to learn a little bit about co-living. I think that we have a very exciting guest and uh, I think that the lessons learned and then also the journey is going to be exciting to, to hear. So without further ado, Reza Merchant, welcome to the show today. Thank you for having me, Alejandro. So originally from the UK, but I understand that your parents moved from India to, to London. So how was that experience for them? And then also for you being a first generation of immigrants?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, my parents came to the UK about 45 years ago um, from India. And so, you know, I was, I guess, b- born and raised in London um, but you know, I, I grew up. Um, I think my upbringing has a lot has shaped my perspective and attitude a lot. You know, because I grew up in a household where my father, um, you know, set up his own business and worked incredibly hard, you know, to, to provide us um, with a good life. And um, you know, so so seeing seeing that sort of hard work and seeing that he would do whatever it took to, to provide for us, you know, the early mornings, late nights, um, you know, to kind of taking, taking risk, um, that I think that really shaped me. And it kind of, it it kind of made me see that, you know, there is no shortcut. Yeah. And that hard work and persistent dedication, you know, through ups and downs is, is critical, you know, because the, um, I guess as an entrepreneur like the the world the world doesn't wait for you, you know um so you no matter what happens like you've got to keep on going um and keep on persisting and you know so i feel I feel incredibly grateful for for the you know to have been exposed to that in my in my upbringing and i think when you i think coming from a immigrant family um i think creates a certain hunger you know to in order to sort of, um, to make it and, you know, make something of your life.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. Well, look, I'm an immigrant myself here in the U.S., so I know the feeling. I know the feeling, Risa. So, so then would you say that, um, that at some point maybe you, um, you kind of like made a decision, you know, I'm going to have a business,
1: you know, for myself in the future? So I, you know, I studied at the London School of Economics in London, uh, and, for the first couple of years, you know, everyone around me was going down the investment banking route. Um, and that, that was just the, I guess the, um, the norm. Yeah. And, and for a while I was kind of like just following the herd, um, not necessarily being aware of what it was that was going to fulfill me and drive me, but you know, it's quite easy just to follow the herd. Um, but I, I in my su- in the summer of my second year of university, I travelled and I went. I went to Singapore and I did an internship there, and then I travelled around Thailand for three weeks on my own. And that was really a defining trip that I had. Um, it kind of I I kind of came back realizing that I wanted to do something that would challenge me and fulfil me, and. Um, and really enabled me to experience life to, to the max and that there was so much more than, you know, just being, being in London, doing a regular nine to five. Like I kind of, I came back realizing that that wouldn't fulfill me and satisfy me.
0: And just out of curiosity, Reza, why did you
1: go on your own? Um, You know, so I was, um, I, at, at that point, I'd sort of just come out of a relationship um. You know, which which had its challenges, yeah. and I so I was a little bit nervous, but at the same time, I just I I felt I just felt like it was the right thing to do to really sort of get some headspace and feel a complete sense of, of freedom, and it, it was honestly the one of the best decisions I ever made because it really I did do. sort of enable me to get clarity and to shape my perspective. On, on life and what was going to fulfill me. So I, I, anyone that's at a crossroads, I always encourage them to go traveling on their own, um, you know, to sort of really understand, like, what it is that's going to make them tick in the next phase of their journey.
0: Very interesting. Very interesting. So then you come from this journey, from this, uh, you know, uh, traveling experience. You go back to London. You start to see all your colleagues from the london school of economics going either into banking consulting and so forth what what happened
1: yeah so then um i sort of came back and then if you know a couple of months later um you know a few friends and i sort of had this idea to do something in the housing market because you know we had firsthand experienced how difficult it was to find any remote any sort of remotely decent and accessible accommodation you know i um you know for two years during university i had to go and find my own housing so i had to bring a group of friends together um go through the nightmare process of trying to find something where the agents didn't care about you and they just wanted to charge you as high a fee as possible and then when you do finally find something it's overpriced quality is terrible it takes months to get basic utilities and internet sorted you have to go and buy furniture which you're going to give away in a year's time um you know you have landlord that just doesn't doesn't care um and so going through that process for two years in a row it just to me it was like wow how how have we got into this position as a society where just a basic requirement such as housing just just is not you know like most people do not have a decent enough option. the other The other thing, and I guess this comes back to, to the trip I had in Thailand, was just a realization of how lonely and isolated big cities were becoming, because you know, I remember being in Thailand, you know walking down the street, and uh, you know a, a stranger would walk past you and smile and say hello. And that was, you know, it was, it was a beautiful thing, but it was it was strange, yeah, because in when you're used to being in a big city, um, no one does that. Like everyone's in their sort of own, you know, own trip and sort of own focus. And, if, and actually, if you do that, people will probably think you're you're strange. So yeah, it was clear to me that like that something needed to be done also about loneliness and isolation. And so combining these things was really the the motivation to, to start what we did. Um, but at the time we were, um, you know, a couple of fresh 21 year olds. Um, we took a 1600 pound overdraft out and, you know, set up, set up, what at the time was a brokerage where we were simply putting in touch students, um, you know, with, uh, with accommodation and being the middleman and trying to improve that service. And what we realized through that process was that the fundamental issue was with just a lack of supply and, ex, you know, just kind of excessive demand. And so you had to create your own product to have any meaningful impact on the market. Um, and, and so we started doing that. We started at a very small scale. So in May 2011, a year after we started the business initially, we took on our first houses, which were sort of four to six bedroom houses so we would take them on we'd lease them we would put some nice furniture in some nice artwork um you know rent them by the room in an all inclusive package and you know just the, just the seeing the demand for that product was it was phenomenal you know within days we'd have these houses fully fully kind of fully leased up um and you know to to really good people like people People like you and I that were good people that just you know wanted a, a decent place to stay, but but were struggling to find it. Um, and so that you know, then I remember over the course of the summer of 2011, we took on about 20 houses in this way. Um, and and really that that then paved the way for the next phase, which was going from doing those six-bedroom houses to then sort of 20 to 50-unit projects. And that was all, all in, the, in the space of a few months. So at the end of 2011, we signed, um, we signed a deal on a, on a derelict hostel in an area called Camden in London, where, you know, the roof was hanging off. Um, it, there had been a fire there five years before. No one had touched it. And, it, you know, it was a huge jump from what we were doing in terms of the six-bedroom house conversions. Got it. You know, we had to basically replace all of the floors that you could see from the basement all the way through to the sky. So it was a complete gut renovation. We couldn't; the building wasn't even safe to get a structural and a st- a kind of structural uh, survey done before we acquired it. But we, but we knew sort of that we could create something truly amazing here.
0: And what uh, was the um, Reza, What was the founding team? So. You know you were mentioning that you were discussing this you know with with some friends and and you guys went at it but but you know let's take a step back here like who who was part of that initial team that that helped you with this?
1: Yeah, so I said the business was set up with a you know with um a couple of friends um you know who who today are still still good friends um but in two thousand and thirteen, we decided to part ways. Um, you know, in a, in, a, in a sort of very amicable way.
0: And what was your big lesson from that?
1: I think the lesson from that was, you know, I think uh, when, when you go into partnership with anyone, you have to make sure that your goals and desires in life and priorities in life um, are just completely 100% aligned. Yeah. And you have to spend time really think talking through that and thinking through that yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> so then you converted then now you're on your
0: own no and and then you start you know operating and and, and working into into these different apartment units making them look good you know by the way the um, the the style and the way that you guys decorate that's pretty amazing. I mean did you have like some background on this or did you get someone to help or how was that
1: so Design was always something that was really inspiring and important to me. And I remember back, back in 2011, 12, like I would go to interior design fairs. I would, I would in the, in the project in Camden that I mentioned, the 50 unit one, I would actually walk around the the site and kind of dr- draw out, measure out the rooms with a measuring tape and actually draw them out. So I was always like very hands on with design and, and then very early on, you know, hired in sort of interior designers and architects. And so now, you know, in the collective, we have a pretty large internal design team because it really is a such an important part, you know, because de- the way you design a space can have a huge impact on how someone feels um, and how, you know, how the space is used. Got it. Got it. And, and
0: so... Was there for you, Reza, like a moment? Because I mean, this is scary, right? So you start with these people, you know. Then you're on your own. You know. Now you're testing the waters. You have like all this, you know, like apartment now that 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 you're starting to kind of like put the decoration and and transform to really start to realize your dream. Uh, at what point do you do you really you know think to yourself or tell yourself, "Hey, you know, I think that I'm I'm into something here."
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think very early on, I think the the in so in September two thousand and twelve we finished this this fifty unit project in Camden. I think that was a key moment, right because it was a huge step to go from doing six bedroom houses to a fifty unit project, no experience doing it um you know had a the financing strategy there was you know because there was little to no financing available and because we had no track record you know it took a a kind of bridge loan against um secured against my family home eighteen uh, percent per annum and it it came down to having complete self belief in the outcome and in what we were doing, and that just just not succeeding uh, was just not an option it just wasn't a potential option um in terms of the range of outcomes that could happen and I really believe that if you you want something to happen, you've got to have one hundred percent belief that it will because your your beliefs and your thoughts become reality
0: yeah i mean i I think that that's so powerful, reza because I find that being able to visualize and just being super like focused on 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 really creating that that whatever picture that you're visualizing uh, a reality is is the way to go, and that's why I always say that entrepreneurs they're like artists. You know, they're like painting on a canvas and making sure that that canvas, you know, gets a life of its own.
1: Yeah, I I agree, and actually, um, you know, I have a kind of morning routine which I try to do on most mornings where I do a sort of a meditation, and often part of that meditation is to is to kind of is to visualize and think about goals that you want to achieve and actually like put yourself in a position where you've achieved them and you feel them and you kind of see the outcomes of it. So I, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like that kind of visualization is really powerful. So then for, for the collective
0: then, I mean, you know, now you were uh, testing, you know, like this, now you finally have all this, all these units that you're putting together. Like what was, what, what is the business model?
1: So, you know, ultimately, we are creating um, co-living spaces. You know, our, our purpose is to build and activate spaces that foster human connection and enable people to lead more fulfilling lives. So we're creating environments that, yes, at a basic level, have, have the, the kind of basics covered in terms of you have a place to, to stay. It's convenient. It's flexible you know, it has all of the basics that you need. But at a, at a deeper level, what really gets us out of bed is to create environments where people can connect with like-minded people, people can learn, people can evolve, and people can ultimately achieve their full potential and obtain fulfillment. Got it. Because that, yeah, that's ultimately what, what, we, what we all want as human beings. And for the people
0: that are listening, Risa how would you define or explain what co-living looks like? So, you know, it's a,
1: you have sort of well-designed and compact sort of private living space, you know, where you have all of the, all of the sort of conveniences and basics like furniture and, and so on. But life is really lived in the shared spaces. And, you know, it's, and it's, It's the physical shared spaces. Um, So, you know, in our buildings, we have gyms, cinema rooms, games rooms, uh, swimming pools, nightclubs, co-working spaces, artist studios. You know, you've got this range of shared spaces that are then activated. So it's not just a roof over your head, but it really is an environment where you can connect with others, um, grow and evolve and, and ultimately achieve your full potential.
0: Very nice, very nice, and you know it's it's interesting now because we're starting to see this trend, no? where where people you know like want to be part of a community, want to be part of something else. So so how do you see this trend evolving?
1: Yeah, so look, I think that there is um, I think there is a massive need for forms of community and ways of bringing people together that actually meet the needs of society today you know we have like urbanization for all of its benefits is is creating isolation you know because as cities get bigger you know by by 2050 70 percent of the world's population will live in cities they get less intimate and more isolated and so it becomes harder to get a strong sense of connection with others. And and we, our belief is that every human being from the moment they're born to the moment they die needs human connection, in their lives. Yeah. It's just, it's just a fact it's a given. It's like a fundamental human need that we all have. Yeah. Um,
0: Well, there is actually a very interesting study that came out of Harvard. I don't know if you, if you saw this, but, but it was focusing on really understanding what makes a human being having a fulfilled life where, you know, they're, they're really happy. Like, what really creates that happiness? And what, you know, the study, you know, really came to, to share or to tell was that really having a fulfilled life meant having really meaningful relationships around you.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I couldn't agree more. I think that is a really, that's a fundamental requirement to have a fulfilled life. Yeah, And, you know, I, so I grew up, I was kind of raised as a, as a Muslim and, um, you know, I remember kind of going to the mosque at a young age, um, and I would see all, like so many people standing outside the whole time. They wouldn't go, they wouldn't go in. And I, I just didn't understand it because I was like, okay, you come, come here, like you come here to like, to, you know, to pray, and to kind of you know listen to the sermons, like why would you stand outside all day, it just didn't all night didn't didn't make sense to me. But the the penny dropped a couple of years ago, and I realised that actually they were there primarily because of the community, yeah, and, and to feel part of something, and to connect with others and feel that sense of belonging. And and I think I think religion historically has has been that for. Um, you know, for, for many, many people. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but I think that our, this generation now, um, I think gets that same fulfillment less and less from religion. So, uh, you know, I do believe that there are, there are, we need to, we need to like create new ways of giving people that sense of belonging that are truly relevant for, for today. And respond to just how how quickly things are changing and evolving.
0: Absolutely, you know, I think that the um, with technology, I think that it has really separated us, and I think that you know what you guys are doing is is really interesting. You know, in a in a way to really bring us uh, back together, no, and to and to erase that type of friction. So, so we were speaking before about this this you know kind of like early uh, projects that you guys were developing. So, how big how big is the business uh, now?
1: Yeah, so just going back to the story, so September 2012, completed the 50 unit project, it was a huge success. And then in 2013, we were like, okay, in order to really deliver our dreams and truly create a groundbreaking environment and way of living, we've got to do this on a much bigger scale. And so that was the year where we started to acquire sort of pieces of land and um, you know, develop from the ground up. And the, this, the first one of these projects was launched in May, 2016. That's the Collective Old Oak in Northwest London. So that's 546 units, um, and then about 40,000 square foot of ancillary space and kind of shared space. And that, that was a real marker in, the, you know, in our sort of journey. Cause it, you know, it was a completely different scale and that's where the product really starts to come to life, you know, in terms of the wealth of shared space that exists in the building and also just having the human resource to then be able to provide an amazing service and activate spaces. And, um, you know, so we, we are by the end of that year, we were, we were full in terms of occupancy and kind of proved out the model at that scale. And that's kind of really paved the way for the international growth, so in the last couple of years um, and re- really in the last twelve months, you know we've set up offices in in Berlin and in new York um, and you know we've now got sort of approaching nine thousand units either up and running or or under development um and you know we' now over 200 people in terms of employees and we're going to be 300 by the end of this calendar year and we sort of every year on year we sort of doubled in headcount over the last four years Got it. so it's, it's been a truly truly amazing um, journey and just you know just con- constant learning and growth
0: and and talking about you know number of employees i mean i'm sure that for you you know, this is your first, uh, your real first professional experience because you went at it, you know, right after, right after school. So I guess, you know, like having all these employees, I think that having experiencing this level of growth, you know, from a business perspective, you probably also need to grow at the same rate or even faster from a leadership perspective and all of all of these different skill sets to be able to manage this hyper growth. Um, you know, status. So, so, how do you grow yourself as a leader, Risa? Like, what, what kind of like learnings or, or what have you done?
1: Yeah, you you nailed it on the head, right? In order to keep up with the growth of the business, like you've got to grow at the same rate, if not faster. And that, and and I'm big believer in like personal growth and development. And you know, there are there are what I guess there are many different ways in which I do that. I think I think the first is just having a real curiosity and and realizing that there is no end to how much we can grow and evolve um and I think listening like being a good listener is so important because you don't you don't learn anything by by speaking right you learn by by listening to people so you know when I'm in meetings I'm I'm often the one that you know is speaking the least and just listening and and absorbing what what is sort of the information that's sort of coming out um you know fortunate enough to have you know great uh great people around me who have you know great experience that i'm constantly learning from and are constantly sort of pushing me to grow um in in and that's in the form of you know full-time sort of colleagues, as well as advisors, like some, some really fantastic strategic advisors that have been around the block. You know, so, I'm, yeah, always kind of looking to learn from those that are more experienced, because, you know, why, why make mistakes yourself if you can sort of, you know, learn from people that have already been through elements of what you're going through and kind of absorb those learnings? and not to say that you know everything they say is, is you have to do kind of you know to the tee but it, but it, it you know you've got to let that inform and evolve your perspective um, i do a lot of inner 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 work so i you know last couple of years i've been spending time in costa rica where i'll sort of go on um, retreats uh, which are all about like inner exploration and expanding awareness about yourself because there's no end to how, how aware we can become about ourselves and you know we go through life and certain things happen to us and we, we kind of pick up baggage right and we, we pick up sort of limiting beliefs and so I've spent a lot of time really diving into what, what those are in me and sort of you know peeling those layers back. Um, to, not, to not let them hold me back. So I think that often those, you know, those, uh, that baggage and that, that those sort of limiting beliefs can really, can really hold us back and get in the way of our sort of our growth. And I love the fact that you're saying
0: this. Um, I think listening is everything. So, so for the people that are listening, Reza, what kind of uh, tip or recommendation would you give them in order to really, you know, expand their awareness or at least to uh, trigger that to happen?
1: um i would really in order to understand your you first got to start with understanding yourself yeah in the same way that you know in order to love others you got to love yourself first um so i think it's about understanding yourself and and just accepting things about yourself um and 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 be willing to like dive a bit deeper into, into your past, into your upbringing, and kind of, you know, face some like difficult, difficult moments or difficult things that have, that may have happened and just, just, um, be, be, become aware of them and just accept them. I think that's, that's what it all comes down to. Cause when we don't accept things and we carry things around, that just gets in the way of our judgment of our interactions and it's i think it's about letting go yeah of those things so that so that as little as few things as possible get in the way of um our judgment and our ability to 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 do yeah
0: no look i mean i'm i'm, I'm right there with you i i'm a big fan of personal transformation as well and i find that the um but a big issue is that if you don't get complete with things that have happened in the past, you know, whether in your personal relationships in business or whatever that is, you're going to always project that into the, into the future. So it's just the same pattern happening over and over again. Yeah. So, so Reza, so, so for the business, for, so
1: for the collective, how much capital have you guys raised to date? So to date, um, we've raised about $850 million um you know across all of our all of our projects um and sort of you know at the at the corporate level so it's you know it's a capital intensive business yeah
0: and what what is the process of um of the capital i mean because obviously here we're talking about um you know perhaps a real estate play you know so for like how is this different from perhaps like a tech you know play like how how is the fundraising process and how do you typically allocate the proceeds
1: yeah, so a lot, a lot of, you know, most of the capital gets allocated to the projects because, you know, these are big projects and they require a lot of capital and resource. But, you know, I think the I don't really label us as a real estate company because ultimately what we're creating are environments and experiences for people to, to really, you know, to ultimately achieve fulfillment and growth. So the, the, current, the real estate is the vehicle in which you do that through, yeah? It's one of the elements that you have to deliver to a really high standard. Um, so then what would be the, uh,
0: what would be the category, Reza? How would you label the collective?
1: Look, we're, we're building a global platform and a global network of, of spaces, yeah? Which is really responding to The needs of people today which is to have a global access to to a home which gives you a true sense of belonging and a sense of meaning Uh, because the world is like the world is no longer split up into like specific countries where you know you live in one place for 12 months of the year and that's where you're from that's who you identify with like we're becoming citizens of the world yeah like kind of lower cost travel and technology means that we can, we can spend time almost anywhere and still be connected and still be doing what we need to do. And I, and I think there's, there's nothing more fascinating and um, kind of evolving than to experience different cultures um, kind of by, by spending time in places. And so, we're yeah, we're creating this, the, the global network of home that, that's required.
0: So then for something like this, uh, Risa, let's say for people that are uh, part of the collective and that really want to experience this, like what's the typical uh, profile?
1: So it's actually pretty broad. Like our average age is 29, but our age range is 18 to 65, and 25% of our members are over 35. Yeah, So it's much, it's a very broad age range because it's a mindset that we're tapping into, not an age. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what age you are. Like in this nowadays, people are settling down much later. They're getting married much later, having kids much later. And so the age is, age is not really a consideration. It's about mindset. It's about having an open-minded, uh, approach to life, um, where you want to, you want to connect with others uh, you want to grow, you want to evolve and you want to achieve your full potential.
0: Got it. So I guess in a world, Ressa, where the vision of
1: the collective
0: is fully realized, what does that world look like?
1: So it's, you know, being in major cities across the world and having these, you know, sort of cultural destinations in the cities that they're in, in terms of our spaces and buildings, um, you know, so that's in terms of art, food, music, like these are all kind of big elements in, you know, in our spaces. Um, but then, you know, ultimately this being the global network that people can call home um, and where people can have truly amazing experiences in and, and forge amazing connections with people, um, you know, and, and and it's it's broad, right, because we want people to learn and grow. So there's an educational piece to it in terms of the content that we're putting on. Um, You know, we want people to be comfortable and for all the basics to be taken care of. So there's that highly sort of seamless and convenient sort of offering. Um, But then there's also like life's also about having fun and just having a great time and kind of letting your hair down so that the, the kind of entertainment and music piece is also critical for that. Right. And, and I
0: guess the, um, you know, one thing now that, that comes to mind is how do you guys think about
1: technology to enhance the, the experience? So technology is hugely important. Um, and really, I think about it in two ways. One is to, as a business, make, our, make what we do and make our processes as efficient as possible. Yeah. So that we can do what we do better faster, more effectively. Yeah, so, so that's one, one thing. And, and the second piece is around the customer experience and to significantly enhance the customer experience through the use of technology. And so both of those are big focuses for us. Um, and, and, and ultimately, in the long run, like we, we are working towards creating emotionally intelligent buildings.
0: Got it. So then, so then, Reza, I guess the, um, you know, what comes to mind now is, I mean, it's incredible the the journey that you've had. And, you know, now I guess when you're looking back, you know, there's not such thing as a straight line when you are an entrepreneur. So I'm sure that, you know, there have been some bumps along the way and and during those bumps is where you really get to learn the most. So I guess as you're looking, you know, now back, you know, on on this journey that you've had, what would you say has been, you know, possibly the the biggest breakdown that has led to the let's say like a major breakthrough
1: um so look i think the last 9 years have been full of amazing learnings and um you know things that in hindsight could have you know definitely done better i think i think it all it comes down to people you know and i think business is all about people um you know if you if you bring together a group of people that are really aligned with the same mission and are highly driven and capable and have the right experience and are, and are driven by a bigger purpose. Yeah, not just making money, but to really change the world. Like you can do truly remarkable things. And because people don't see it as a job, like people see it as a calling in life and something much deeper than a job. And you know that's that's something that I think we've um, we've been able to create. You know, is the the collective for the for the for the for the team that you know kind of work here. It's 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 not just a job; it's a calling. And and you know, we put a lot of love and heart into what we do, and that and that shows in every aspect, and that creates a really magical feeling um, for the people. So I so I think you know realizing that earlier on um and focusing on that i think would you know it's definitely something that i would have i you know I would have liked to have done and then you know making sure that you have the right people in the right positions with the right level of experience you know if if possible like you want to avoid sort of like learning and doing things for the first time without having people that have gone through it in some way before you know and kind of bringing in like experienced people um, you know was had a hugely positive impact on our on our business so now like it's a key thing that i look for you know as people that have the right mindset and the right experience for a particular role
0: so then this leads me to to one question and that is what what is your mindset or your approach on when, when it comes to recruiting and, and, and also like, how do you think, you know, about things? I mean, are you more higher fast or slow and, you know, fire fast or slow? Like
1: what's your approach? So when, when I'm interviewing people, I look for a mix of the following traits. Um, someone that's highly ambitious and, and hardworking, uh, someone that has the right experience and the right intellect um someone that is driven by a, a deeper purpose than just making money and actually like wants to do good for the world and someone that's really humble and down to earth and it's like those mix of things that I'm I'm really looking for um and you know i think that obviously like some things sometimes things don't work out right or sometimes like a role may not be right for someone when you thought it was, and I think in those situations it's really important to to make the decision that is best for the business. Yeah, yeah, and and sometimes that means sort of, you know, it can be emotionally challenging to do that, you know, because you build very strong relationships with people, um, and you know the. And that can be emotionally tough, but you've got you've got to do what's best for the business in those situations. And you know sometimes that make, that means making tough decisions.
0: A hundred percent. And uh, I think that making the hard decisions during the hard moments is one of the um, one of the scenarios that is really going to determine the uh, the A plus entrepreneurs from let's say the the B you know type of entrepreneurs and. And then the other thing here is that one of the mistakes that I see is that founders, you know, when they see that someone is not working out, then they try to shift positions and then that creates like a little bit of toxicness in the culture. So it's just better to just let it go. And and you're doing, a, you know, a positive thing to that individual because that individual then is going to go and it's not going to be a cost opportunity type of thing. Yeah. Cool. So Resa. so I guess the... um. You know I want to ask you something and and this is a question that I'm typically that I typically ask the guests that we have on the show is uh, you know you've been at it you know with with the collective for a while so I guess knowing what you know now if you had the opportunity to uh, let's say sit down and have a chat with your younger self you know with that resa coming out of uh, of the London School of economics you know perhaps when you were just arriving back from Thailand from your trip you know and And you were able to give that younger self one piece of advice. What would that be and why, knowing what you know now?
1: Um, I would say, that's a good question. If it was just one piece of advice, I would say really really push to hire the best person in the market for every role. Got it. You know, that reminds me
0: of the... um of the book *Good to Great* from Jim Collins, where he kind of like says that that startups are like um, like a bus without a direction. But as long as you have the right people seated on the right seats, you eventually would find the successful road. Yeah, very cool. So, Reza, for the folks that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi?
1: Best to send me an email.
0: Cool. So, what's your what's your email? It is Reza,
1: R-E-Z-A, at thecollective.com. Amazing. And are you on social media as well, Reza? Um, I'm on I have, I'm on Facebook, but no, no other social media.
0: Got it. Fantastic. And you're on LinkedIn as well?
1: Yes. Yeah. LinkedIn as well. Okay.
0: Okay. Fantastic. All right. Well, Reza, thank you so much for being on the DealMaker Show today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at Alejandro at PantheraAdvisors.com